What's up? This is Levon Zarike, former University of Washington football player, and this is I already forgot. <laughs> Circling Seattle Cir- Sports Podcast. Circling Seattle's that's a tongue twister. Circling. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to episode 93 of the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Uh, this is your lone host today, Charles. Um, due to scheduling stuff, um, Omari and Bennett will not be on the show this week, and that is fine, you know, as we've Learned throughout the uh, the time that the show has been running. If one of us or two of us are out, then it's up to whoever is left to really uh, keep the show rolling because I am very against um, just postponing a week or missing a week. The show must go on. The sports continue around the Seattle area, and they will continue to be covered here on the show. So like that, you know, with that being said, we're going to get jump right into the news here. Uh, With Seahawks news, we actually have some sort of air quotes, uh, game-related information here. The Seahawks held their mock game on the 8th of August. Um, Just a few statistical things. Um, Passing stats include Russell Wilson went 13 for 20 with 196 yards. Geno Smith went 9 for 13 with 72 yards. And the only other quarterback to attempt passes uh, would be backup Alex Magoo. And he would go 0 for 2 in this game. Um, rushing stats, Chris Carson with five carries, 39 yards, and one touchdown in the game. Uh, Alex Collins had nine carries for 25 yards. Alex Magoo had two carries for 20 yards. And Russell Wilson had three carries for eight yards. Receiving stats, DK Metcalf had three receptions and 63 yards. Aaron Fuller had three receptions and 24 yards. Uh, Kate Johnson, three receptions. 24 yards as well. Similar stat line there. Um, And Freddie Swain had three receptions and 15 yards. So um, it'll be interesting to see that third wide receiver spot who ultimately takes care of that. Um, And that'll be something that gets decided, I'm sure, leading up to preseason here because, you know, you got guys like Penny Hart, Freddie Swain, uh, Kate Johnson could be in the mix there. Aaron Fuller could be in the mix there. Um, that is something that will have to be decided and ultimately something that will also come into play uh, will be cuts and cutting down to the final 53-man roster um, when we get into the regular season, but that's not here yet. Uh, kicking stats, yes, kicking stats, the thing that everybody turns into the show for. Uh, your Pro Bowl kicker, Jason Myers, went 4-4 four for four on field goals, and he uh, went... Um, those distances on those field goals would be 44 yards, 50 yards, 32 yards, and 25 yards. Uh, so that's that's all we got from the mock game, really. Um, the general consensus that I got in reading sort of comments and, you know, eyewitness reports from those who were actually at the mock game was that, you know, the offense that we've been talking about for the entire offseason since the team hired Shane Waldron uh, was very up tempo, a lot of quick passes, quick passes, getting the ball out, something that we've been clamoring for for years here. Um, up tempo stuff, so that's that's important, and obviously that would be really nice to see come into play in all reality. Obviously, the mock game is going to be much different. The mock game could be much different than what we see in the regular season, but that should be a good indicator um, of what's to come, hopefully. Um, the only other piece of relevant Seahawks related news um, outside of the upcoming schedule for the team. And we'll get to that here in a little bit um, would be that um, starting left tackle 
Dwayne Brown uh, is looking for a new deal before the season starts. He is entering the final year of his current contract. Um, he's holding out currently, and I say holding out, and it's more so holding in um, as he's still been attending practice and he's still been with the organization. He just hasn't been practicing. Um, he's hoping for an extension, a new contract. Uh, Pete Carroll said that the organization is working with him. Uh, Russell Wilson said that we need Dwayne Brown and reiterated sort of the importance of having Dwayne Brown with the organ- with the team. And that's true. Dwayne has been the best offensive lineman that this team has had since he was acquired from the Texans on that trade um, with Houston. And it would be malpractice to not extend this guy because despite his age, despite Dwayne Brown uh, being the young spry age of 35, he's still been a left tackle who has contributed, who has been, you know, you could say at the top of his game. So to fumble that and to, you know, upset him would be a really bad idea because so much stake was put into protecting Russell this offseason. And if you just lose the left tackle, you know, your blindside blocker, that's a big issue, obviously. So Dwayne Brown, um, on top of Jamal Adams, those two extensions are – you know, big things to look forward to uh, with this team as we look into the regular season, as we approach that uh, September 12th uh, opening day for the regular season. League news, um, the only thing that is of note, really, uh, Xavier Howard stays in Miami. He restructured his contract. The only reason that this is being brought up because uh, the Seahawks were a team to watch for that potential trade. Uh, the Dolphins restructured the Pro Bowlers contract, which will include $4. million in incentives being added. So, you know, on top of his restructured contract, there is the potential for Howard to gain more um, and really cash out more there for himself. Um, coronavirus updates. I really hope I don't have to mention this segment much throughout the rest of the year, um, throughout the season. Uh, and luckily, luckily, it's not like a big outbreak or anything. Uh, the NFLPA is pushing for the NFL to resume daily COVID testing for all players with missed heh, with missed testing, resulting in a $50,000 fine. So as we ramp up you know, ooh, to preseason here, especially with the extended rosters, um, it really looks like the league is sort of getting ready for things, especially with the Delta variant coming in and some players not wanting to wear masks. Some players not want to follow these protocols. Some players not wanting to get vaccinated. Looks like we're, you know, getting ready to get back into the swing of things here. Uh, so looking ahead for your Seahawks, preseason August 14th at the Las Vegas Raiders and in Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. Uh, the first time that the Seahawks will be in that building uh, and your first real look at your 2021 Seahawks. So that will be something to note. Um, but we do have to wait a little bit for that. Um, I mean, it comes up on Saturday, so it's not the worst thing in the world, but uh, there's a lot for me to see whether it's, you know, your third linebacker on the defense, who's going to take that spot. Who's it going to be Cody Barton? Will it be a guy like Ben Burkirvan? Uh Looking at the D line rotation on this team, looking who, you know, may be a surprise uh, looking who's going to be your third wide receiver. Look to see if any of the tight ends, whether it's Will Disley or Kobe Parkinson will maybe push Gerald Everett. Uh, for a starting the number one spot so there's a lot to see here uh, looking at a guy like Rashad Penny what he will look to do 
um, as he's in his, you know, final year of his deal looking to maybe sort of say, Hey, you know, I know that I've dealt with some things uh, with my injury history, but I'm here to stay and I want to stay here. So uh, that's what we've got coming uh, for the Seahawks here preseason. I can officially put the preseason tag next to the name of the Seahawks in my notes here. Um, But we have to shift now. Seattle Mariners regular season, not the best week for the Mariners. Um, started off all right, August 3rd at the Tampa Bay Rays, 1-8-2. Played the game would be second base, second baseman Abraham Toro, two hits, two runs, and an RBI. Uh, August 4th at the Rays, the team would lose 4-3. to uh, They did get a series win in that series against the Rays, but they did lose the final game. Uh, Put of the game would be right fielder Mitch Hanniger with three hits, one run, in that 4-3 to three loss. August 5th at the New York Yankees in the first game of a four-game slate against the uh, Bronx Bombers. The team would lose 5-3. to Player of the game would be center fielder Jared Kelnick with two hits, two runs, one RBI, and one walk. August 6th at the Yankees, the team would lose 3-2 to in 11 innings. Player of the game for me would be first baseman Ty France with three hits there. Um, before I continue and before I look at the other few games of this series, um, it's, it's really important to note that the team left a lot of runners on base and there was spotty, there were some spotty strikes and balls that were called in this game. Now, I don't say that often. Obviously, you know, a lot of people want to get on umpires and especially this season, guys like Angel Hernandez, there have been controversy and there's been frustration and there's been calls for robotic umpires, uh, robotic strike zones. After what I saw this series, I would not have a problem with that just because of the fact that there have been so many calls here, especially in a series like this, where if I just look at the the run differentials and win losses, two runs, one run, one run, two runs. The There's a really great account that uh, after a series, after a really heated series where the umpires are called into question, we'll go back and look at, you know, the strike zone. And what balls were, you know, not called correctly, uh, you know, the overall umpire swing in uh, the direction of each, either team, you know, what runs could be uh, swung either way. <laughs> the Yankees got plus three runs through the, the officiating the umpires in this mm-hmm. series against the Mariners. And considering, you know, the differential of these games, three runs is a big deal. Three runs is a very big deal in a series where two teams that are competing for a wild card spot are battling it out in mid, you know, not mid August, beginning of August. That's a big deal. And that's something that, you know, could come back to bite the Mariners in the ass. You can sit here and you can complain about the way that, you know, you, if you still are complaining about the Graveman trade um, and you want to die on that Hill and you think that's the worst trade in history, this is probably not the show for you. All right. Mm-hmm. You can go and think that, in whatever land you want to think that in, but I'm not going to agree with you. You know, we've already been over that. If you want to talk about that, go to previous episodes and you can argue at the TV, argue at the computer screen, argue at your phone, go right ahead. But, you know, taking a look at a series that was really important and obviously, you know, leaving a lot of runners on base is an issue Um, with the low scoring and how close these games were, those three runs that were shifted due to the calls made, balls and strikes, that's a really big issue. Um, and we'll see if it comes to screw these guys. But again, I will reiterate that my target date for the playoffs for these guys has been 2022. 
I'm not just saying that because it's a next year, next year thing. I've been saying that since 2019. So let's, we'll continue on. We'll do our best. Um, August 7th at the Yankees, the team would lose five to four. Player of the game would be third baseman Kyle Seager with one hit, one run, and two RBIs. August 8th at the Yankees, the team would win two to nothing. Uh, Player of the game would be again, third baseman Kyle Seager with two hits and one RBI. Um, Yeah, just it was it was a frustrating series, you know, with the runners being left on base. Um, and the calls, it was, it was a really frustrating series, um, something that, you know, the team will look forward to bouncing back from with this next homestand. But we do have the rest of the news to get through um, my player of the week for this past week, you know, first week of August, really. Um, I had Jared Kelnick. Uh, Jared, since adjusting his swing, since adjusting his um, stance more so, not necessarily swing, since adjusting his batting stance has really improved. Um, in 27 at-bats, he has seven hits. Four, this is over the last seven days. In 27 at-bats, he has seven hits, four runs, two doubles, two homers, three RBIs, 15 total bases, two walks, a 259 average, which you know doesn't jump out at you on, you know, doesn't jump out at you necessarily. Um, with a 310 OBB, OBP, uh, a 0.556 slugging percentage, and an 08, a 0.866, 0.866 OPS. I apologize. I don't know <laughs> why I'm fumbling over myself here. Um, so Jared Kelnick uh, has really improved. And I don't know. It's been quiet for the guys who are calling Jared Kelnick a bust for a guy who's only 22, guys that were freaking out. They've been quiet, but, you know, that's all right. Uh, ben is not here, so I sadly cannot get his player of the game here. I mean, player of the week. Uh, but that should resume next week. Uh, the current record of this ball club is 59 and 54. There's five games above 500, which, you know, if I asked a bunch of Mariners fans where if they think that the team would be five games above 500 um, as we sit here at the, the 9th of August, they would probably tell me no. They would probably. They. I don't think that confidence would be there. So, that's that's a good spot still. But obviously, uh, the two games you lose to Texas on walkoffs, perhaps the game you lose to the Rays, as well as this this series against the Yankees, it, it's it was a really, it was a mixed bag in terms of the road trip as a whole. I would say, uh, the team does sit still at third in the AL West. Uh, no injury news to really report. Um, Justice Sheffield is recovery. Justice Sheffield is rehabbing. Well, there we go. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, and should really get back to um, playing normally here. Uh, Justin Dunn has sort of taken a lapse in his recovery. Um, so we may not see him for a little bit more. Um, but that's sort of what's the news here um, in terms of injuries. Kyle Lewis is expected to join the club around the end of the month. Uh, that is something obviously that has to, you know, go through rehabbing and go through the whole process and make sure that he's, you know, geared up to go um, for regular baseball activity and game shape as it's, you know, much different. Uh, game speed is so much different. That can always necessarily be replicated. Um, but that is a good boost just considering, how many different injuries that this team has had to deal with throughout the season and considering where they're at uh, record wise. Um, 
As we head to team news here, August 3rd, Mitch Hanniger named as the Mariners Heart and Hustle Award winner. August 4th, the 2022 schedule was released. Uh, just to go through some notable series here, uh, the opening series will be against Detroit uh, at the Tigers at home for four games starting March 31st. Uh, road trip to the Marlins April 29th through May 1st. The Phillies come to town, Bryce Harper, and the Phillies come to town May 9th through 11th. There's a long East Coast road trip versus the Mets, the Blue Jays, and the Red Sox May 13th through 22nd. The Red Sox come to town June 10th through 12th. The Blue Jays home series, which has become an annual thing, obviously, uh, is July 7th through 10th. Road trip to the Washington Nationals is July 12th through 13th. The Mariners go back to the Bronx August 1st through 3rd, so a sort of similar timeline to when they were here, when they were in New York uh, this year. Uh, then the Yankees come to the Pacific Northwest July 8th through 10th. Um, no, that should be August. Yeah, August 8th through 10th. I don't know why I put the word July there. Uh, the Nationals visit the state of Washington August 23rd and 24th in a two-game series. Uh, the Atlanta Braves, Ronald Acuna, Ozzy Albies, visit Seattle September 9th through 11th um, and the Padres travel up north September 13th and 14th. Those are some of the more notable dates. Um, the Mariners will end the season out with Oakland. Obviously that's something that has become a given, um, but that is your 2022 schedule. Some notable teams, you know, the Phillies coming to town, the Braves coming to town, the Padres coming up here. Um, obviously the Yankees, you know, Washington playing Washington, uh, going back down to Miami and starting the season out with Detroit, obviously have not had a good season against Detroit this year, but that's, you know, that's a different year. Um, <laughs> just kind of funny how they're the opening series team after this last year. Um, regardless, August 5th, outfielder Dylan Thomas was outrighted to Triple A Tacoma after previously being DFA'd. So he comes back to the uh, Rainiers August 7th. Julio Rodriguez of the Arkansas Travelers and the Dominican Republic won the bronze medal in Tokyo in baseball. So congratulations to Julio and the Dominican Republic. Um, and Eric Filia of the Tacoma Rainiers and the USA won the silver, media, silver medal in Tokyo, uh, losing to Japan. Um, other notes around the league, Oakland's center fielder Ramon Laureano suspended 80 games for violating the MLB's PED policy. That is huge uh, for, I would, well, it would be bigger if the athletics did not acquire Starling Marte from the Marlins, you know, giving them another outfielder option in that trade. Um, but still losing one of your better players to PEDs for, you know, essentially the rest of the season is a big deal. Um, but I'm just, it, it might not, it might uh, not be as big of a deal considering that they traded for Marte and they acquired him. Uh, but that is, that is a big deal, I would say. And it'll be interesting to see what sort of hole uh, Loriano might leave in his absence uh, due to PEDs. Um, and the MLB is discussing an extended playoff format. Obviously last year in the COVID year, we saw an expanded playoff format um, but the league is potentially looking to implement an expanded postseason field of 14 teams during the offseason uh, collective bargaining agreement talk. Um, that is something to look at. I know that's sort of a mixed. That's something that draws a mixed reaction uh, among the baseball fan base. 
uh, when it comes to whether or not to have that expanded playoff format. Some people like it. Some people don't. Obviously, it would give the Mariners a better chance of making the playoffs. Um, and with them, you know, being so close, it would, you know, be helpful. But that is something that will have to be decided in those collective bargaining talks. Uh, the upcoming schedule for Seattle Mariners in this next week includes a three-game slate against the Texas Rangers at home from August 10th, 11th, and 12th. And then the Blue Jays finally come down to town uh, August 13th, 14th, and 15th. Uh, and that is your next week's schedule for the Mariners here. Homs, Seattle. It's that time of the week for Homs, baby. Uh, Homs has your back in the loving big brother kind of way. Our goal is to change the mental health conversation one heart at a time. Homs, Seattle. That is H-O-M-S-S-E-A-T-T-L-E.com. Go check them out. Uh, Seattle Sounders regular season, August 4th versus FC Dallas. The team would draw in a one-to-one game. Uh, play of the game would be Freddie Montero scoring in the 72nd minute. So obviously a late game, the 72nd minute goal, and then Dallas would score late to equalize and leave the Sounders with a one-point game after you know previously having those three points until you give up the, the goal there late. Uh, so that's frustrating. I know that's frustrating for obviously the fans, but the players, you know, you, you battle late and you get a late, a late goal to put you ahead. And then you concede late to equalize. Um, you only come away with one point and especially with the way the West is, you know, um, it's not like, you know, you're going to be able to get a bunch of these draws here, like the Sounders have and just dominate, be at the top of the, the top of the table in the West. Uh, be the top of the table of the support shield. That's not going to happen. Um, so that I know that is something that's difficult and frustrating to deal with. Um, in team related news, uh, the club set a record for players named to the MLS all-star game. They're sending six players to the all-star game this year. Um, those six players include Raul Ruiz Diaz, João Paulo, Christian Rodon, Alex Rodon. So the two siblings are making it to the all-star game. There, a big congratulations to Christian and Alex especially after the year they've had, man. I mean, Gold Cup, uh, Alex with uh, El Salvador and Christian with the U.S. Uh, and U.S. winning the Gold Cup there. Um, obviously, the, the run of play this year um, for them both, Alex stepping into goal uh, when Stefan Fry had to come out. Uh, so, yeah, the b- big year for the siblings there. Um, the other MLS All-Stars, I apologize, I got off track there, include Yamar and Nuhu. So uh, proud of those guys. Uh, incredible to set that record. But obviously, I know there's much more work to be done, and I'm sure they would say that as well. Um, speaking of Joe Paulo, Joe Paulo earned his spot on the MLS Team of the Week bench. He seems to be a regular in the MLS Team of the Week. That is something that uh, he continues to be involved in. Um, the Sounders signed two players prior to the secondary transfer window closing. Um, those two players would be Leo Chu and midfielder Nicholas Benezit. Chu is a 21-year-old attacker from Brazil. He signed a four-year contract with an additional club option year. He will occupy an additional, no, international roster spot in a U22 initiative slot. Benezit is uh, being signed from Colorado in the Rapids in exchange for $50,000 in general allocation money. As part of the deal, the Rapids are able to acquire another additional $50,000 and general allocation money if certain conditions are met. Benezit is a 70, uh, whoa, is a 30-year-old, and his contract is guaranteed throughout this year with a club option for next year. Um, 
So uh, considering how banged up this team has been and the, the way it's been going lately, at least, um, the Sounders do get some reinforcements and seems if physicals and all that go well. Um, so that's pretty big. Um, the, the team sits at nine wins, six draws, and three losses. Uh, they are second in the Western Conference and third in the MLS with points with 33. Their next two matches, August 10th versus the Tigris in the League's Cup match. That is going to be, you know, the night that this is uh, this episode goes out. And August 15th at the Portland Timbers. So some big matchups there. If you're a League's Cup person, that's a big matchup. If you could care less, you know, then you look towards the match in Portland against the Timbers there. Uh, Seattle Storm. Still on Olympic break, but some big Olympic news. Uh, so we'll just go through the dates here. August 1st, the U.S. and Storm Big 3. Uh, Sue Bird, Brianna Stewart, and Jewel Lloyd finished perfect in pool play after a 93-82 win over France and the French there. Uh, in that game, uh, Stewie had 17.7 rebounds and 7 assists. Jewel Lloyd had 2 points, 8 assists, 2 steals. And Sue Bird had 6 points and 4 assists. Uh, moving down here to August 2nd, Esme Magbagor and Stephanie Talbot helped the Australian Opals advance after a win over Puerto Rico. Ezzy in that game had 10 points, four rebounds, and two assists. So, you know, the other Storm members in the Olympics, they're advancing. August 3rd, U.S. Um, beat Australia. So the Storm Big 3 play Ezzy and Steph, and they win against Australia 79-55 to um, to advance to the semifinal. Stewie in that game had 23 points, five rebounds, and three assists. August 5th, the U.S. and Storm Big 3 advanced to the gold medal game after a win over Serbia, 79-59. to Stewie in that game had 12 points, 10 rebounds, and three assists. August 7th, Team USA beats Japan 90-75 to to win the gold medal. Um, a huge game there. Let's just get through the stats first. Stewie in that game had 14 points, 14 rebounds, five assists, four steals and three blocks. So really uh, making a mark all over the stat sheet there uh, for Brianna Stewart, which, you know, she kind of always does, but uh, to do it on the Olympic level, obviously is a big deal as well. Um, so the U S secures gold there, Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi win a record setting fifth gold medal for the basketball. That is the first time that's happened for any basketball players to win five gold medals. Um, and Brianna Stewart was named the FIBA Tokyo 2020 women's basketball MVP. So again, Stewie continues to add to that trophy case. When it's, when it's all said and done, it'll be pretty ridiculous just to take a look at the trophy case that Stewie has put together. Um, it's, it, it's hard to think about. It's hard to like put everything that Miss Stewart has accomplished and just think about it all at once there's a lot going on you know as just in the last year let alone her entire career um so congrats to team usa uh for the gold medal as well as to australia uh for them putting up a good fight um and making it to the semi uh the match the round before the semifinal there um no injury news to report uh team notes though on august 5th noel quinn signed a multi-year extension as per team policy in the release, though, the team uh, terms of the deal were not disclosed. So it's just known that uh, Noel Quinn uh, signed a multi-year extension with the deal with the team. Uh, Noel obviously taking over after Coach Dan Hughes uh, stepped down and retired. Uh, 
Um, oh, as well as congratulations to Dan Quinn uh, as he was an assistant coach with the U.S. there. Um, but so Noel Quinn will be the head coach of the Storm for multiple years going forward. The team record obviously is still 16 and five. They have not moved from that. First in the West, first in the league. And coming up here, the Storm have some some games coming up. Yes, we can finally announce that. Um, so August 12th versus the Connecticut Sun in the Commissioner's Cup final. The winner of that game will get a half a million dollars uh, to you know add as a bonus through the regular season here. August 15th at the Chicago Sky. Those are the two games to look up uh, forward to um, as the Storm get back into regular season play and get away from the Olympic break there. Uh, Maestro Athletics, Maestro just went through another um, hat drop. They sold out again. So that's, you know, congrats to Maestro, but it, it's, it's hard because now, you know, it's like a lot of people wanted those, obviously. And I guess it's a good thing to have more of the want than, uh, than you've got. Um, but I know also that Maestro just dropped uh, these gold medal, uh, Olympic gold medal shorts. So that is something to check out from them. Go check them out. Maestro Athletics, uh, they, as well as Homs, are linked in the bio, I mean, in the uh, partners tab of the website. Seattle Kraken news. We are technically still in the offseason, but we are more so in the free agency aspect of it. Uh, some big free agency news. Um, so the team signed to free agents, as well as they signed some of their expansion picks. Uh, the Kraken signed Alexander True to a one-year $750,000 AAV contract. He played for the Seattle Thunderbirds from 2014 to 2017. So Alex True has some Seattle background in him. Um, so there will be familiarity there with him. The Kraken signed free agent Connor Carrick to a one-year two-way contract worth $800,000 um, AAV. He's played in 241 NHL games for Washington, Dallas, and New Jersey. The Kraken signed their uh, expansion pick, Will Borgen. He signed a two-year $900,000 um, AAV contract. Uh, so AAV basically just means what they're making that year, making a year um, average. His contract is a total of $1.8 million. The Kraken signed free agent Marcus Johansson. He signed a one-year $1.5 million AAV contract. The Kraken signed their free agent, I mean, their expansion pick Vince Dunn to a two-year $4 million AAV deal. And the big signing um, that I believe still needs to be fixed. I haven't seen otherwise on that. Um, Kraken signed free agent goalkeeper Philip Grubauer to a six-year $5.9 million AAV deal. Let's just take a look on that because I know that this was a big deal when he was signed because Grubauer has you know seen some good success in the NHL as a goalie. Um, I have not seen any new news on Grubauer in that deal. Um Yes, so that deal has been rectified. Initially, it was rejected by the NHL um, for a uh, – the deal was initially oh, – I can't go back. was rejected um, for – oh, there's a reason I forgot. Uh, oh, it was a violation of front-loaded contract rules. But that has since been rectified. Uh, so Grubauer is a big addition um, – I've been told several times as I've learned this game of hockey and I continue to learn this game of hockey. If you've got a good goaltender, you're going to be successful. 
and the Kraken more than likely would have that in Grubauer. I've seen mixed reviews. Some people say it might be his success might be a um, a result of Colorado and the Avalanche being a good you know a good team, having a good support system around him. Others have said Grubauer will thrive here, so that'll be something to see. Um, but he, Mr. Grubauer, has been sort of the the big get of free agency so far. Um, other team news that is not free agency related. Pro scout Stu Barnes leaves the Kraken to become head coach of the Tri-City Americans of the Western Hockey League. So uh, congratulations to Mr. Barnes. Um, not the longest tenure necessarily, but uh, obviously if you've got a head coaching position waiting for you, it's kind of hard to pass that up. So looking ahead, this Kraken preseason is sort of coming up on us, but still have a ways to go there. Um Sort of my favorite part of the show this week. Um, the old rain had their uh, latest match August 7th versus the Houston Dash. They would win five to one. Yeah, five goals. That's a lot. And they all came in the first half. Um, <laughs> let me get to play of the game first. Play of the game would be for Bethany Balser. She scored two goals on seven shots, three of them being on target. Um the rain haven't scored five goals since 2017, July 22nd. That was back when they were called the Seattle rain. They're so playing in Memorial stadium here in Seattle. Um, and they were playing sky blue FC, which has since become um, the Gotham Gotham FC. That's the last time they scored four goals, let alone five. The last time they scored four goals was back in 2018. So, and, and they scored all five goals in the first half. So just a big explosion there. Um, a really fun night uh, for the rain. Uh, Bethany Balser scored twice. Eugenia LaSummer scored. Uh, just Fishlock scored. And oh no, who am I missing? Oh, Sophia Wertz scored as well. So two, uh, two CSS uh, interview veterans, alumni, scored there in that game. A big game, really big game. It pushes the rain to... Um, Sixth in the NWSL table, but we will get to that in a second. Uh, injury news, injury report for that game. Um, there were the two usual suspects when it comes to out. Ali Watt was out with her right knee, still recovering from surgery there and sort of rehabbing that. And Rosia White was still out with illness, but White was seen in training with the club over the week. So that is something to note. Uh, see Rosie White, you know, listed as out, but obviously she's not just away from the club anymore. Um, nobody was listed as questionable, uh, but Olympic duty, Megan Rapino, Quinn and Roosevelt were all out as they all still had to go through their medal games, which is on the fifth. And it was highly unlikely that we would see any of them, uh, back with the club on the seventh there. Um, so team news with that win and, you know, with their current positioning in the table, they are in playoff contention. So, you know, their record is six wins, one draw, six losses. They are sending six, six in the league with 19 points. So if we look at next week, the following scenario for next week would result in the rain taking second place. Yes, second place. They can't take first place because Portland's got 28 points and there's no conceivable way <laughs> the, the rain could get um, enough points to jump over Portland in one week. That's not how it works. Um, so... That being said, if Portland beats the Orlando Pride, if Racing Louisville FC beats Gotham FC, 
And if North Carolina and Chicago draw in their match against each other and the rain win, obviously, it would put them at 22 points and second in the league behind Portland. That's kind of incredible, just considering uh, the, the, the... Considering how the team started off sort of struggling, sort of bouncing between some wins here, some draws here. Well, no, one draw in the first game of the season. Bouncing sort of between wins and looking for consistency. Um, it, it's, it's pretty incredible to see where they're at right now. Um, so, yeah, obviously, what to look forward to. Portland beating Orlando. Louisville beating Gotham. North Carolina and Gotham, North Carolina and Chicago drawing in their match and the right winning. Obviously, you know, you got to win first before anything else, but there's a lot going on there. Um, and it just shows how odd the NWSL is, can be in terms of, you know, the rain can jump from eighth to second in a matter of two weeks. Uh, that is incredible. Um, so looking ahead, August 14th at Kansas City NWSL, Kansas City is the worst team in the league statistically, whether it be from points to goals, goal differential to, you know, having no wins. That's a big deal. But obviously it's the end of itself. As I said, it's a crazy league. Anything can happen. So that's big. Uh, that is something to note. Uh, no Sonics news, no Dragons news. There is college news. Uh, the Big 12 and the Pac-12 may consider a merger. Uh, leaders from both conferences are meeting to discuss discuss options that would include a potential merger or I'm putting air quotes in this because I have no idea what this would mean. Potential merger or alliance. Um, I understand what a merger would mean. That would be really unique and I don't know how they'd pull it off. But alliance, I don't really understand what sort of alliance you would do as two conferences. Uh, in the NCAA it just seems that um, Texas and Oklahoma saying screw it we're out of here and moving to the SEC is really gonna mess some things up and open the door to a lot of new possibilities and opportunities around the NCAA Uh, so we, we continue to monitor that monitor that we continue to see what might happen but that's uh pretty interesting um UW football, we do have some UW football news as the team goes through spring ball and sort of is getting ready to look at the regular season here. Uh, Jimmy Lake had a quote on UW's wide receivers. He said, I'm excited for Husky Nation to watch them in training camp. And there is some Zion Tuguola Fatui news. CTF um, will for sure play in the regular season following his Achilles injury during spring football. That was a big question mark um, after he suffered that Achilles injury in spring ball. You know, will we see him? Will he be back for regular season or even, you know, at all throughout the year? He's, I can't guarantee this. This is just a quote that I saw. He is for sure playing in the regular season. So that's a big deal for Husky fans. Um, And that has been your week in Seattle sports. Uh, Seahawks going through um, still technically the off season here. Well, not necessarily Uh, going through, you know, build up to preseason. Uh, the Mariners have a, rut, a kind of rough last week, still in the regular season here, still in the playoff hunt. Um, the Sounders, uh, tough draw. It could have been a loss, but, you know, still aggravating to draw that match. 
against uh, Dallas there. Um, the Storm are going to welcome back their players from the Olympic break and get back into the regular season. The Kraken are going through free agency and, you know, continuing to build that roster, continuing to build up who we might see on the ice opening night against um, Vegas. The rain with a huge, huge win against Dallas. I mean, Houston, whether it be, you know, points wise or um, goals wise or points wise on the table um, and UW football continuing to work towards uh, getting ready for actual football, getting ready for the season as opposed to, you know, summer ball and training camp. So that's been your week in Seattle sports. Uh, I hope to have everybody back next week. That's something that I can't guarantee, obviously, with everybody on the show uh, being, uh, you know, pursuing their careers, you know, getting ready to get back uh, into classes here as we head into the fall. Uh, A lot of stuff going on. So I can't guarantee that everybody will be here, but, you know, it's really fun to do this. Um, And it's something that I, I hope that those who continue to come out, continue to listen, continue to support, uh, are proud that, you know, they can say that they support the show and then it's not just something that's sort of a ragtag. I know I kind of stumble over my words sometimes a little bit. I do apologize. Uh, but regardless, I will, uh, we will be back on August the 17th with the 95th episode of the podcast. Uh, this is Charles Hamaker, your host, uh, your creator of the show, and we will be back with you next week. Thank you, everybody. You have a good rest of your day. Baba Bowie.